0: What is up, everyone? I am excited to announce that today we are talking about the new hit Disney Plus show, of course, with my co hosts, Brian and Marcelo. Say hi, gentlemen. This is
1: Brian. What's yes, up? So,
0: of course, going to be talking about the book of Boba Fett today. Uh, lots of feedback from various sources people who love it, people who hate it, and everything in between. I think we are a good mix as far as that goes. Um, there's a lot going on, but uh, yeah, this was a, as far as, me and Brian have talked about it a little, this is an expansion, and you too, I texted you about it. This is an expansion on a person who had four minutes of screen time and four lines. One of them was, ah, you know, when he's falling into a pit of death. And, you know, they expanded his story far beyond everything I could have hoped, especially with Mandalorian Season 2. When he came in, Boba Fett, I was like, whoa, this is what I fucking wanted. comes in on the fire spray, kicks a lot of ass, looks dope. And then they took that and they ran with it with a show at the end of Mandalorian. They're like, hey, we're doing a show. You know, we're like, what's it about? And then we got, was it six or seven episodes of Boba Fett? The seven. Mando stuff. Yeah, and uh, a good mix of throwbacks to the original and prequels. And uh, I guess we could start with... What was like a favorite throwback moment for you guys? Let's start with that. Let's go with Marcelo first
2: because I know you love the prequels. Throwback moment, like, as far as in, I don't see, I
1: didn't like Boba Fett, so I don't remember anything from it really. Um. I mean, it was cool. It's all right. It's just you know, whatever. I could have, I could have, I could have lived yeah, life I not having it guy. in my life,
2: right. and still would have been um, okay. Um, but like, well, I don't like Grogu you, anyways either. So it's like
1: ah, <laughs> standing out from the crowd.
0: Yeah, imperial oh, apologist man. over here.
1: I know. Seriously. Uh, I'm like, I was the worst person to start with. One of this because I have like very like almost pr- pretty polar opposite opinions about this as, as you guys but um you know <laughs> I don't well, even know. yeah you, you're going to have to come back to me on this cuz cuz let me well, yeah, well, let well, me of them like With
0: throwback moment i mean thought. like a throwback to the prequels or original trilogy uh example um being there was a moment oh i guess i should say too Major spoilers for Book of Boba Fett and everything in between. You've been warned. If you haven't watched it yet, I don't know why you're listening. Anyway, um, there is a major reveal of Grogu with um, in the Jedi Temple with Order 66, which I thought was a nice callback. I think that's a better word I should have used. Callback to the prequels, which I really enjoyed. Of course, there's many more, but that's just one example. Well, While, while
3: Marcello kind of tinkers, what do you think, Brian? Well. All I have to say, I mean I'm not going to say the the obvious answer in the room. Um so I uh I actually really appreciate that they threw it back to one of the classic uh Starfighters that I think didn't really get uh much appreciation cuz they're only around for one movie, and that's the N one Starfighter.
1: I got it. Oh, oh you when you're, his memory when you're done.
3: But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure did. But yeah, like, like I, it's no Razor Crest. You know, the Razor Crest was a really dope ass Starfighter. Uh, not even Starfighter, Starship. But the fact that they were able to like, slap together pieces to make this cool custom fucking hot rod uh, Naboo starfire. I thought that was really dope. And yeah, maybe maybe the sequence of building it maybe kind of took a little too long, but. I enjoyed for I enjoyed what it for what it was. Um, but yeah, there was a lot. There's a lot of other stuff that was interesting. And I think that we'll touch on that as we talk about it. But I am interested to see what Marcelo has to say. That you thought of something.
1: No, because you mentioned you mentioned the Starfighter and, uh, you know, uh, season three, episode one of The Mandalorian, that scene where he's uh, going through the canyon as an homage to, like, you know, the pod racing scene in The Phantom Menace. I thought that was really fun and really cool. They're, they had some really good attention to detail, you know, because they still had, like, the broken pieces that let off that, like, off-ramp that yeah. Anakin so, goes off of. I, I think just, it was I Anakin. just want to say, I didn't notice that at first. But I just like the
3: fact that after all these years, no one thought of maybe fixing that fence.
1: Nah, we're good. We're good. We're good. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, that wasn't even Boba Fett. That was the Mandalorian season three, episode one. Two point so. five.
3: It's it was the uh, the filler, the filler arc for
1: Mandalorian. Yeah, I mean, so, I guess, I guess for me, it's like, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if maybe I'm just a contrarian, which you guys know me, it's, it's probably more because I'm a contrarian more than anything else, but, like, to have, like, a a show called The Book of Boba Fett and the best episodes be the one where the book were, in my opinion, at least, where, the, where Boba Fett's what? in them the least, you know, like... There's, there's some, some mistakes I are mean, made along the way, I feel. The only one
3: that thinks that way. Because there's, there's a good amount of people that are kind of, you know, half and half about the series. Um, I mean, yeah, it is kind of weird that they took two out of the seven episodes to focus on Mando. Even though we know that we're getting a season three this fall. Um, I wonder... If it's a bigger deal because of the, how short the seasons are, and if Book of Boba Fett was like twelve, like twelve episodes, would it be as big of a deal that two of the episodes were focused on Mando
2: and not on Boba? Yes, it was. An, I, I guess for me, it was just an interesting choice.
1: I mean. There's all these comparisons of and it's a hard character I feel to develop because, like like Joel said, there wasn't a ton of screen time for him to begin with anyways, and then for them to then take that character and try to try to like expand on it, you know, I mean, uh, like what? what frame of reference, I mean, they can do whatever they want, it's their, it's their, um, it's their, you know, they can do whatever they want with it, but, like, I'm just curious to see why the decisions were made to push the character in that direction, you know, it, you know, bounty hunters are supposed to be, you know, ruthless, you know, only in it for for the job, or for, for like, the payday, or whatever, and he, and here, and it must have been, you know, Maybe I just missed the whole exposition with him and, the uh, and the, and the, and the Tuscan Raiders or something where it might've changed his opinion, but it just seemed really kind of off for what my expectations oh, of a sure. bounty hunter are, you yeah, know,
3: um, I mean, there, there was this little like piece, like at the end of episode four or chapter four, whatever you want to, wherever you want to call it, um. Where it was was Boba and Fennec just talking about how, you know, he's tired of, you know, bounty hunters basically risking their lives due to, like, the carelessness of the the bosses that hire him. And so it was kind of like, you know, we need to look out for us kind of thing. and
1: Like taking taking control of his own
3: destiny kind of thing. But then also just like the mixture, the kind of like the... The one thing I will say is that they kind of started slapping things together, kind of weirdly. Because I don't know, maybe Joel, you might have something on this. But like, did we ever get like an act like besides that he was the boss of Mosesba? Like, why he really wanted to stop the spice trade?
0: Um, I think it's more of pikes kind of the pikes the rival syndicate kind of encroaching on his territory and it's more like uh, You know, this is my land. I see do with it how I see fit But it's not I mean, it's kind of like that's how I feel it is. But it's, yeah, it's not like super Explained or thoroughly explored. It's more like this is my land. I see, you know, we do things how I want to do it and I think maybe it's up to us as the audience Kind of like maybe his time with the Tuskins made him soft,
2: right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like maybe soft, um, definitely changes his perspective, it
3: makes him softer, as in the terms of a bounty hunter, but maybe makes him stronger as much as kind of like you know the, the responsibility of taking care of like that city or like family. Definitely. That that's definitely the lens I
0: saw it through. Mm-hmm. But you know, like like Marcella kinda of mentioned, bounty hunters are kind of ruthless, you know. They're doing it for the money. It's only about the coin at the end of the day, but Boba Fett's experiences have, you know, changed him, you know. Again, like he's dealt with terrible bosses, one of them being Darth Vader, you know, whatever. Now he's in control instead of Vader
2: being bossing him around, putting him in danger and stuff. So I mean that's the way I saw it. Uh So should we break it down like episode by episode and kind of go through the
1: highs and lows? Maybe, kind of see what we thought. I don't even. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a decent idea.
3: A I'm little list. Go through the
1: cliff notes. All right. I will see. say,
3: they had some pretty good directors for this show, though.
1: Oh, absolutely. What I will say uh, is, there are definitely some moments of like great direction. You know, um, of course, Bryce Dallas Howard absolutely crushed it, you know. Um, I thought that the, uh, what was it, the penultimate episode, the one before the finale, that was also Robert Rodriguez, right? um, The last two?
3: the, The second to last episode was Dave Filoni, and then the last one was Robert Rodriguez.
2: Which, oh, when he, when okay, that,
3: episode, yeah. So okay, you can right, understand right. why it was Dave Filoni. But, like, we even, like, yeah. I think Robert Rodriguez did three out of the seven. That uh, The chapter one, three, and seven, um, we had Steph Green that did episode two. I'm going to botch this name, but uh, Kevin... Tancheroni, Was like tan Yeah. Tenseroin. Apologies. Yeah, he did chapter 4. We had uh, Bryce Dallas Howard for episode 5, which I think was a really fucking good episode. Just just by a directorial standpoint, I think that was probably one of the best episodes. Not because it was a it was a Mando episode, but just how it was shot. We can we can go over it mm-hmm. when we get to that episode, but I think they they need to make sure that <laughs> they make Bryce Dallas Howard happy and let her keep directing Star Wars stuff.
2: Yeah, she's she's great. She's amazing.
3: <laughs> so, what do you guys think should we go through uh, the see. episode uh, summaries? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, Sure. So first episode, we have uh, Chapter 1, Stranger in a Strange Land. Uh, This was uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez. All these episodes were written by Jon Favreau. And this is basically kind of where we get to see Boba Fett where he we last saw him in the belly of a fucking um, the sarlacc pit. Um, he uh, ends up waking up, you know, covered in like the acidic goo of the sarlacc. Um, funny uh, to see a uh, stormtrooper <laughs> in the pit. That was like an interesting little kind of uh, not not like a throwback, but just kind of like oh. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny because he had Stormtroopers kind of combing Tatooine in uh, episode four. And so it's just like, oh, this poor son of a bitch mm-hmm. just <laughs> wandered upon the
1: Sarlacc and fell in. Something like, yeah, yeah, it was funny. I mean, it, it's interesting to think. Uh, I mean, in that scene, is it like immediately after everything happens at the end of... Um, it was Return of the Jedi. Was it Return it's, was that Return.
3: It's not specified how much time, but what I believe from what people are saying, it's like roughly like a couple hours, maybe.
1: Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Because I'm curious to see like how long he would have had to actually be there to like get fully like. Oh yeah. Like, was yeah. his armor Beskar? Confirmed Did they like Beskar. confirm that? In Man- oh, okay, definitely. so I wonder if is that what saved his life? Because even because even with the best
3: scar, he okay. still got burnt. You know, mm-hmm. he got scarred. Out. But yes, yes, yes. Of course, Boba Fett found a way to get out uh, by cutting through the belly of the beast and crawling out of the sand. Um, to yeah. where he kind of uh gets found by a bunch of t- uh actually no first he gets found by a bunch of Jawas who steal the armor. So that's how we connect the dots between how Cobb Vant got uh, Bubba's armor from the Jawas. And then soon after that, he gets found by the, the Tusken Raiders, that, the tribe that takes him captive. And so we kind of uh, go back and forth between that and, uh, like I guess, present day so then we kind of, you know, we see Boba in the um the bathta tank, you know, healing up a little bit. And then, you know, he, we kinda of go see the people of Moss a little bit. We get introduced to uh the sanctuary with uh Jennifer Beale's character, uh what is it? Garza Fwip. The the Twilight like, who runs the, the sanctuary. We get to meet her. Um the uh Ooh. the uh Jennifer B. Who Beals. plays
1: Garcia Whip?
3: Yeah, you didn't know that?
1: What? Oh. Hold on.
3: I connect some dots.
1: Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Oh Jennifer Beals! Oh, I got it. I oh, thought no. like Jessica Beal, like no. Justin Timberlake, Wrong. Jessica Beal. I was Wrong like, wait Biel a minute, Biels. wait a minute.
3: But yeah, we we get we get to see kind of like how like Mos Espa is doing at the moment. Um, I believe even before that, we saw, they saw uh, people paying tribute to Boba Fett, and then you kind of. Fi- uh, have the character of the major domo of the mayor kind of come in and it's kind of like the mayor is asking mm-hmm. for tribute. And so it's like, so it kind of, we already get like the seeds of like, what's the power dynamic between, you know, the, the crime Lord and like the mayor and how it's kind of not all what yeah maybe Boba thought it would be. um, And we, Kind of just kind of get like a back and forth between just like setting up this area and then also going having flashbacks to uh, to like the past. We do get to see a cool little fight. Uh, Bubba gets jumped by some people and we get to see some little action, but he's still kind of hurt still. So he wasn't kind of at full power.
2: Were, were you guys aware of that Goro thing? Like, as a thing in the, in,
1: in the Star feature. Wars universe? Yeah. Is it? Okay.
3: I believe that was... Oh,
0: I totally thought it was, uh... What's it called? Not a Dengar.
3: Whatever they call it. Whoops. Uh... I don't remember what they called it, but it, it, it was basically like a Goro. Like, if anybody is familiar with Mortal Kombat, just like the big four-armed guy, you know, it's definitely what it was.
1: Yeah, I was like... No. I was like, am I it, it supposed was, to know what this is? It was a
3: brand new is? creature that they made. For sure. But yeah, uh, so okay. like, we... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we kind of... We, we get... More flashbacks. Um and like we said, uh just kind of like Boba Fett at being a prisoner of the Tuscan tribe. And then, you know, they kind of take him and this in this Rodian that's also a kind of almost like a willing captive at that point. Cause like Boba Fett tried so many times to like mm-hmm, <laughs> set him free mm-hmm. and the Rodian like snitches on him. Mm-hmm and then we pretty much get to the point where they're out um trying to find those black melons if you remember from uh episode 1 of season 2 of Mandalorian the little black melons that they drink out of you know the kind of they're just drinking up the black, black melon. melon and then we get to meet the girl the goro creature and then boba saves the day proves himself to the to the Tuskins. And that's the end of chapter one. I forgot about um, the coral creature. <laughs> it was like very. It was like very at the end. So, uh, what are you guys' thoughts about uh, chapter one, Joel? How about you? We haven't heard you in a little bit.
0: Um, I thought it was an interesting start. I liked seeing, you know, where he got to, where he was. Um, I liked the little, um, you know, flashback to the past, and then the current. Uh, you know, dealing with the Major Domo, fighting off the assassins, you know, looking at where he's coming from as far as, um, you know, how he actually escapes the Sarlacc and how he ends up there.
2: It was nice filling in the blanks, you know. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a strong start. What about you guys? No, uh, I think, it, it so like, I guess my whole thing is it started off, I think, fairly strong,
1: like okay, cool. This is interesting. All right, he gets you know enslaved or whatever by um by the Tuscan Raiders. Cool, that makes sense. Um, I guess you know, I guess for me too is I don't. I should have gone back and seen at least the episodes in Mando with Fennec and and Boba because I don't remember. Kind of, I guess they they just fly back to Tatooine and take over. Uh, java's uh so so like the like last Alice, episode right? and when they're going to rescue
3: grogu on the the, the imperial like uh ship basically boba
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh gets them in and then it's like hey i i don't want to be here so i'm gonna i pe- i'm gonna drop you guys off and peace out and so that's when he leaves and then we don't find out where he okay. goes to until like mid credits where he goes and ki- where he goes and kills Bib B- Fortuna. Gotcha. But yeah, this this episode gotcha was pretty neat because did we? Uh, it's kind of like a, a good mixture of setting up, you know, where Bubba is right now, then also showing us like what happened to Bubba leading up to Mandalorian, in a in a way, or at least getting that that kind of plot started. Um but yeah, it was cool to see some familiar things. Uh it was cool to see uh that Jiz Jizz is still going strong <laughs> on Tatooine. You just with, wanted uh... to say
0: that out loud, didn't you?
3: <laughs> yes, I did. And also Max Rebo too. That was that I thought that was pretty cool. Cause <laughs> I don't think anybody thought Max Rebo was still alive. Cause he was on the job of sail barge in Return of the Jedi.
1: Oh, they're good. He he's all he'll, he's, he's he's got, got, he's got, got that funk
3: armor. That funky the funky jazz music.
1: Yep, can't <laughs> but can't yeah, ever kill the funk.
3: This episode was a pretty good kind of you know start to the series, a good kind of base for what's to come. Um. Shall we move on to chapter two?
0: Yes, chapter two: the tribes of Tatooine. Oh yes.
3: Uh, this one was directed by Steph Green, who I believe is a pretty. I would I would I want to say like unknown because she's done she's done work. Let's see what has she done?
1: Oh. Oh well, they did an uh, oh. they did an episode of Watchmen and Luke Cage. I oh. do. Joel likes I those. Highly recommend
0: if you have not seen Watchmen show, just check it out. It is phenomenal.
1: Hey man, this isn't a this I'm isn't the Watchmen podcast. Okay, get back more to it.
3: Space stuff.
0: Oh hey,
1: All
3: what right. up? Oh hey, what Steph Green, a uh, native uh, San Franciscan? What's up? Nice. That's dope. Bay Area. But yeah, um, so chapter two, the tribes of Tatooine. Um, We get start off with uh, Fett and Shand um, interrogate one of the assassins that jumped them uh, in the last episode. And pretty much, you know, they're trying to get information out of them he's not talking, he's not talking. And then I thought this was kind of funny where like, even though he's been, he's been dead for like, I want to say like five years now that kind of the reputation of Jabba is still in the minds of a lot of people where uh, they do, they do a tactic where (laughs) Boba threatens to throw him into the rancor pit, knowing, knowing full well that the rancor was killed by Luke um, but the, the assassin didn't know. So he was like, right. Oh, all right. Uh, uh, the mayor, the mayor, the mayor is my, uh, <laughs> informant. It's like, it's like, there's no rancor down there. And <laughs> mm-hmm. So they take the guy to the mayor's office and, you know, it's like, Hey, I want to meet the mayor in, um, of course the major domo it's kind of like, Oh, uh, he's really busy right now and it's like hey I'm the crime lord I do what I want and so he just busts bust into the the mayor's office and what do you know uh you, they have a whole bunch of guards sitting there and it's they kind of get to a standoff at, at this point and then you have the mayor kill the assassin and so it's just kind of like huh okay and the and the mayor's just like problem solved and so it's like okay well the mayor is up to something but we don't know what and so that whole deal is kind of left on the table for a little bit um and we get to meet the the hut twins after that the hut twins come in on their throne and
1: was it uh was it this episode where they talk about like why boba isn't being it, like carried it was, around it was exactly
3: right before this uh, uh this part where
1: i thought that was really funny cuz all of a sudden you see these two big uh these two big huts like around the thing with like just a bunch of people carrying two God, like, like oh, a giant so piece of plywood
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> like it's like I can only imagine like having one hut is like bad enough. But the fact that these people had to carry these two huts on this giant on this giant cart. But yeah, so we meet, we meet the twins and we also get to meet a certain Wookiee bounty hunter. Um, Kersantan comes in. So now Kersantan gets his, his live action debut, which is, I think really, I think they did a really good job with Kersantan. Um. Just, like, his overall, like, detail is really good. Um, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but, um, like, compared to, like, let's say, like, Chewbacca or any of the other, like, Wookiees we've seen in live action, don't you feel that Chris
1: had more expressive eyes? Yeah, he definitely had more expressive eyes, a little bit more emotion, were we supposed to know who this was from just knowing stuff cuz i had i had no idea who this yeah, was if, if right you're up a until fan of
3: the comics then you'll probably know who corsentin is but at this point all uh, you know is okay. that corsentins is just like this wookiee bounty hunter that looks
1: kind of terrifying mm. yeah i mean he's mm. He's super intimidating. Like, when you look at him, he's like, ooh. <laughs> he's a little scary. A little scary. Anti-Chewbacca.
3: It's, it, it, who would win in the fight, Chewbacca or Kersantan? Wookiee on Wookiee. Yeah. Chewbacca. Yeah,
2: he's got and, that
3: uh, I mean... I mean... He if doesn't Blood have moon, says, moon protection, say, though. It, Chewbacca's plowarm only goes so far. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> another moon um we
3: so we meet the the huts and they kind of be like oh you know this this uh this planet is rightfully under hut territory and then Boba Fett's like nah fuck you I killed <laughs> uh Jabba died and I killed Bib Fortuna so now Tatooine's mine And so it's just kind of like, it becomes like a pissing contest for the, for the most part. Um, And so the hut's like, all right, well, we'll we'll, uh, talk to you later. We're going to, we're going to go and, you know, they kind of leave. And then we get another flashback um, where the the Tuscans are starting to teach Boba Fett kind of like, how they uh, do combat with the Gaffy stick, so we get we get some of that kind of like first glimpse at how Boba Fett is gonna come to learn how to use the Gaffy stick, like he did in Mandalorian season two, and it's just kind of like the cool um, little stuff. And then we see a spice train. Or we don't know it's a spice train yet, Um, but there is a train that comes through the desert and starts open firing on the encampment. And so it becomes a big, big ordeal. You know, Boba wants to, you know, help fight back. And so he goes to a certain place that I think we are familiar with, um... A local watering hole. A local that watering won, hole? Um ex uh, moisture farmer wanted to go get some power converters from, maybe. Really? You did?
1: Oh, I didn't catch that. Dope. Yeah, we got to see Tosche what Tashi Station, Station or whatever looked like. Or at least
3: the or at least like the little dive bar in Tashi Station. <laughs> I think actually to the um
0: there's like a couple that's there they were originally supposed to be in episode four as well. So they got to bring them into the series. Like finally, kind of like with the uh, rogue one, they reused the old footage of, um, the y wing pilots. But instead they brought these old characters. They shelved from so long ago and brought them to life.
3: That's like when he has that brawl, right? He just goes in and kicks ass. Mm-hmm. Is that? Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a camion fixer or two, uh, characters that were supposed to appear in uh, A New Hope, but then got uh, taken out of the movie when they were editing it. But Cammy and Fixer were supposed to be Luke's friends that he hung out with. And so they actually got to, you know, have a little debut in uh, a Star Wars property. So now they're actually officially canon characters, which is actually kind of cool. Who had friends other than Bigs? It's blowing my mind, right? Um. So basically, we get a shot of Boba uh, going into this bar because uh, there's a gang of Nikto's that he's seen, kind of terrorizing, kind of like the the residents and the moisture farmers of the area. And so he's like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck him up and take their bikes. And so he does just that. He walks in, all calm, cool, and collected. And then we have a big bar barroom fight. Boba Fett just
2: mm-hmm. right? good old fashioned saloon
3: was, fight. This was done really well, and just kind of like this brutal, like close quarters action, like just fight. Boba Fett just knocks out yep, all the gang yep. members and then takes all of their speeder bikes and uh, brings them back to the Tusken Raiders, where he then goes on to try to teach them how to ride speeder bikes
2: like a banta.
1: That part was really funny, and I, and I kind of like that. He did that, that whole scene was pretty funny with him like, you know, like Like imitating how you write it. (laughs) And that whole little montage of them like learning how to (laughs) they work together, they exchange how
0: to fight. Now with technology, they're like, Hey, we're gonna take on this giant death train that you guys are should be severely underarmed and can't take on. But of course, the legendary Boba Fett,
3: they're able to take on the train. Well, would, you, would you care to go through the sequence cuz I feel like if 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 I can only imagine if we were watching it together I would imagine this would have been probably one of your favorite scenes in the in the episode
0: I mean it's it's pretty dope I mean with the training montage you know like a banda you know and then you know they keep fucking up they keep trying to use speeder and eventually you see them clutch and you know they they work together, they signal each other, hey, now's the time to attack, they, you know, like a biker gang taking on, you know, it's like an old school heist, pretty much like, you know, like hor- instead of horses, they're now speeder bikes onto the train, you know, they're, they're, it's great because pikes are clearly, you know, supposed to be more advanced, more, you know, they have more weapons and stuff, but, you know, with the grit and, and uh, cool factor of Boba Fett and him teaching them what to do, they get on the train, they send their cool uh, like Tusken Raider like lead fighter to go in and kick a lot of ass. It was just on all sides of school. They send in Tusken Raiders, they send in Boba Fett, and they even have moments where like before they show them failing, like jumping onto the speeder bikes, they show them like successfully jumping onto the trainer, working together. And it's, of course not all the Tusken Raiders make it, but they show that like working together, they are able to overcome the, uh, the Pike train after that. They're like, you know, they pretty much like destroy it. There's like a droid in there. The droid, like hightails it out. They stop the train. This oh, is the yeah, first time funny. Boba's like, you know, you're going to pay a toll. And they're like, what? Yeah. Walk in the desert. See you later. And uh, of course that'll have repercussions later, but uh, it was a pretty cool moment. Um, Just seeing, you know, again, the montage coming to fruition Them working together to take on the Pikes. Because they've been just like driving by, like basically like a drive by. Hey, fuck you, Tuscans. We're going to shoot you. And then Boba's like, nah, not today. And he took the fight to them.
3: And you have to imagine like how long that's been going on to the point where it just feels natural to do that. To just kind of like ride through the Dune Sea and then be like, oh, there's some Tuscans. Bang. You know, just open fire on them as you're running through. Right, and
0: um, I forgot. I just saw they. Um, you know, since Boba's doing so many great things, he saved the leader's son. They stopped the the death train. They're like, all right, we're gonna fully initiate you. And so they have this like, how do I put it? Um, this like ritual with a lizard, <laughs> and it kind of blew my mind. Oh, like, yes. oh shit, we're gonna get Boba Fett high with a lizard. <laughs> and he goes inside and like he goes on like a. Uh, how do I put this? Um,
3: it's like yeah. it's like a it's like a um, spirit quest. Yeah, like a spiritual journey. He sees like you know possibly
0: Tatooine growing back and like the future and the past coming together. And then you know I thought the lizard would be like permanently in his brain. I'm like oh shit, Boba Fett's a lizard brain. This is some kind of joke. But no, it comes out later. And, and then they're like yo, you're one of us. Uh, and then. <laughs> He, and with this vision of where he saw the um, the tree, he you know was like this is where I'm gonna get my gaffy stick. And then they they show another montage making his awesome gaffy stick, and they do a cool little like dance ritual at the end with the gaffy stick. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So he went from like a Mandalorian tribe, which he was already a part of, and then now goes with the Tuscan tribe. So he's a man of many cultures, you know, being integrated. It, it was cool. I, I think it was a a fun fun episode there was a lot of like story building in this episode
3: for sure and world building yeah i but like with mandalorian and with this especially we've just kind of been able to see like the tuscan side of things and kind of seeing like what they do and like what their traditions are you know like how how do they see their place on tatooine compared to the
2: people that live in the cities I kind of hope we get more of that. The on the ground. Well, just kind of like kind of more
1: stuff. to
3: expand on on the Tuscans, because it's kind of like. I don't know. There's like. Because before it's like, oh, the Tuscans, you better watch out for them. But like now we're seeing these people. It's like, oh, you know, the Tuscans are actually like pretty cool. You know, and, you know, they actually have. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting system because now. Cause, with this i want to know because it's like okay well this is one tribe of tuscans there's so many other ones out there uh like do they interact at mm-hmm. all or do they like keep to themselves is there like a like is there like a network between the Tus- the other tuscan tribes you know do they fight other tuscans you know is it like a territorial kind of thing well i mean there were a bunch but someone
0: went on a killing spree um I would imagine they did have a system until some <laughs> angry teenager decided to take all their lives um, for right or for wrong. Um, yeah, that's... I, overall, I think it's still a strong episode. What do you guys think as far as the episode goes?
3: I really like this
2: episode. I thought it was really good. Episode two was good. We can <laughs> definitely skip episode three,
1: though. Nobody knew... Needs- well, we no, just but we to talk it. about it, not really. Three. Sorry,
0: Marcelo. So, what he's talking about is um, the millennials episode, uh, the streets of most Espa. So, basically, which is, I mean, at least to me, there's space, you know, nobody likes even no millennials even in, bro. Space in far even far millennials. Um, they introduce these characters called the mods where they're kind of young, they're kind of be you know, hip, they got cars and stuff, and you know, nobody respects them, nobody respects Boba, but you know, someone's like, hey. These guys aren't paying their water fines. Uh, I forgot the guy's name. He's uh, the actor in Barry. Um, he's his teacher, or his, like, assassin teacher. But anyway, um, let's see what it says here. Oh. Uh, the character's name is Lawrence Peel. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, he has, like, issues with the mods, right? And they, they can't get along. He's overcharging for water. And then they kind of, like, reach an agreement <laughs> later. Um. What all that, and it was just interesting to see. We haven't, I mean, we kind of have seen a very modded person before, a very Everybody's modded body, but now we're we're seeing it on a very small level. It's like young people, as opposed to this like dark lord who's a machine. Um, yeah, we're but this is kind of like what you guys were saying, more like ground level on the streets, like everyday kind of, at least for Tatooine. You know, seeing where where people are at. You no,
3: know, I didn't. I didn't really have. A problem with the mods, to be honest. Like I could I could look at them and be like, and be <laughs> I like yeah, <laughs> I, I, I could look at them and be like, yeah, those are very like Robert Rodriguez-esque characters. But as far as like the mods goes, like, yeah, it's like at this time at this point in like the time period, like I bet you there's probably people that get cybernetics just because they want to be cool and like hip. There's gonna be people like that, like somewhere in the Star Wars
2: universe, and and cyber. Well, well <laughs> yeah, no, saying, you you finish. Like, you finish.
3: Star Wars isn't the stranger to cybernetics because yeah, it's like yeah, Joel pointed out. It's like yeah, we have we have Vader, Grievous, and then Grievous. We hit Luke to an extent, um, and even Lobot. You know. Lobot, I forgot about that. Yeah, who could forget about Lobot? He was, like, the cyborg. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I could see that the mods are, like, a taste thing. Like, if if it's obviously, like, an aesthetic that you don't get down with, you're gonna be, like, you could leave them. I can understand that. But to me, I don't know. I I don't, like, care so much about them. But I I don't look at them and be like, get off my screen,
2: you know. I'm like, oh they're there. You know, that's all right. Yeah. Respectable. Okay. Uh
1: they could have never existed <laughs> and I would have been so much happier.
2: Uh I I don't think I they serve no purpose. Like literally.
1: I thought they were, in this episode, in the last episode, I thought they were useless. Like, you could have put... I would have rather had more Gamorian guards than those fucking
3: Power Rangers. They, they do kind of suffer being on the other end of kind of like the plot of this show. Because we we never really got to have time with them other than meeting them and then them being working like working for
1: Boba, and then oh my god no, we're gonna I have a spin-off are. show aren't we <laughs> just them pushing on their little vespas <laughs> the best okay so th- i mean that's what it was guys come on let's get real here that last scene was a little was a little wacky don't you think like they were a high-speed chase but it really felt like they were like Two, like, people in, like, like the little shopping cart scooters at, like, the grocery store chasing each other around the store. It just felt The pace of it you felt can, so slow. Kind of, you can slow. tell where some of the budget fell off.
2: hmm
1: I mean, fell off. They must have been, like, listen. I will say, you, though, you you're they cut are cut important here. to
0: the plot because, <laughs> for this episode, someone's dreaming in their back to tank and gets attacked by a Wookiee. And uh, he can't fight him off alone, so who else helps him? Oh my god, The mods help him because Anson's like, "Yo, let me pay you a visit while you're taking a back to nap," and so he's getting that his scene, ass kind of uh, handed
3: to him. That scene, I I I thought that was really dope because I thought we were going to get another like flashback scene, and we kind of did for a second. Um, because I believe it, it it was this episode that we found out that was it this one. Or it could have been in the other... Was it episode three that we found out that the the Tuscans got uh, wiped out? I think it's in the future.
0: I think that's not it yet. At least okay. I think so.
3: Oh, no. It, it was this episode. Because Boba Fett leaves to kind of go... um. Make a deal with the uh the Pikes to have him fuck off, and then he comes back to the camp all like wiped out. And then from there oh. it, he gets woke. He gets woken up by Chris and ready to like beat the shit out of him.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right,
3: <laughs> right. Those fucking knuckle dusters they had though. Dude, those were dope. These electro-fucking-brass knuckles? Or space knuckles? Yeah, man. That was... You know, fuck up Boba Fett. I really hope Kirsten, like, sticks
2: around. I think he's a cool character. They, they did him justice. I mean, the best part
1: about episode three was the Rancor, right? The, him dope. getting a gifted a getting Rancor, a gift I think, did... was cool.
2: <laughs>
1: they, Other they...
3: than that... Not only was he gifted a Rancor, he was gifted a Rancor with Danny Trio.: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, that's right. I don't
3: even think they probably changed oh, his name. Right. It's just him in the future or actually from a long time ago. I think they just call him like the Rancor Trainer. <laughs> I think that's like what his character, I, his character probably has a name like in the deep lore, but they just call him a uh, Rancor Trainer. His name is Machetes. Machetes. <laughs> nah, I don't
0: know. It's probably Rancor Trainer Bob or something.
2: It...
0: <laughs>
3: oh
1: okay. no, it literally is Rancor Trainer. But it was kind of cool. Cause um I think That's
3: I funny. I talked to the to this with you, Joel, but um they actually kind of incorporated a little bit of Danny Treo into like his character. Cause Danny Treo actually has a a um, kind of foundation where he helps rehabilitate uh, pit bulls that were being bred for fighting. And so that's what his kind of character was, but with Rancors, you know, the like, so the Rancors are like the pit bulls of the Star Wars universe, because he's like, oh, like, the, the Rancors are actually, like, pretty, like, affectionate towards um, who they see as, like, their, their master and stuff like that. And it's like, they actually don't really want to fight. They just do it because they're scared and afraid. And it's like oh that's kind of cool. You know, it's kind of that nice little kind of meshing of reality and like the the world of Star Wars. Which is kind of cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um
0: also really quick, they just like he meets with the crime boss, he's like, "Yo, don't betray me." We all kind of knew like, okay, this is this is going to go very sour
2: <laughs> very soon, <laughs> but he tries to have him not betray him. Is that was that. Are we on episode four? Was that episode I believe that four? That was episode four.
1: Yeah, right? where he Whoops. gets with everybody.
2: It's like, oops,
1: I think so. Yeah, I was like, that didn't sound like episode three. Yeah, episode four. Well, Joel, do you want to talk about episode four? In the yeah, past. let's
0: do it. So, <laughs> um, well, that's that's at the end of the episode. He's like, yo, don't betray me. And well, we all know it's gonna happen, but uh, um. In his back to tank, he kind of remembers. Um, He's like his awesome ship, the fire spray, but you know he hasn't had it for a long time, and um, he needs to go get it. But before that, um, the first inkling we got of Boba Fett, without even knowing, is he rescues Fenix Shand, his right hand, in the desert, who was we thought left for dead in uh, Mandalorian season one. Of course, in season two, we find out they're working together. She reveals that, like, yo, she was, you know, she's kind of cybernetic. How we got there, we find out with this episode. He rescues her in the desert. Oh, my God. Am I jumping around again? No, okay. All right. (laughs) But he basically finds her in the desert, and he goes to a mod parlor to save her. So he's like, yo, I need you to save her. And, of course, Thundercat, (laughs) this famous artist is there looking flies like i guess i can help and he throws money down he's like oh you should have started with that so he saves her life mods her and now you know she's cybernetic as Wait. well
3: is is his name actually
0: thundercat it's like his stage name
3: thundercat oh this is like like his actual like like persona yeah yeah
1: I forget what they okay, call okay
3: cuz i i had no idea who this guy was
1: oh like, yeah
0: the actual like, the actual really? actor yeah, but uh, at the credits, it said Oh, I know who that is. Oh, okay. okay,
3: that's neat. Yeah,
0: but um, you know, he kind of makes a deal like, hey, uh, you know, he doesn't expect anything. He's like, you know, I'm gonna go get my shit back. Can you help me? And Phoenix Shen's like, oh well, okay. After this, you know, I'll help you, but I'm, I'm gonna go on my way. But of course, they infiltrate the palace. There's some like little goofy things. I think this is this is an episode kind of a little more geared for kids. Like they show them infiltrate the palace. There's like this uh, droid that chops up food that does like a general grievous moment before they destroy it and just turn it off with the Switch. He's like chasing a bunny droid through the palace, all scared and stuff. It was, you know, I feel this episode, that moment I was like, oh, this is definitely for like little kids. You know, seeing Boba Fett kind of like mess around and, you know, chase this little droid around.
1: I, um, the best part about this episode too is where he takes the, uh, the uh, his ship, and is <laughs> going to, going to go get his armor back from the uh, from the sarlacc. <laughs> he just starts wailing on it, and of course we get a we get Hell a we yeah. get a seismic oh, charge so for the boys.
3: You know, oh yeah, because I think we were watching it, and it's like, oh, is he gonna do a seismic charge? Like, nah, he's like too close. It would it would would never work. And I think who was it, Fennec, who actually like pressed the button. It mm-hmm. just fucking like slides slides off into <laughs> deep into the Sarlacc. It's like, bam, fucking wipes it out.
2: What did he say to her? Like, don't ever <laughs>
1: touch like my buttons or something like that? I honestly
0: thought he was just going to blow it up before that whole scene. I was like, oh, he's just that petty. He's literally going to go fuck up the Sarlacc pit. But no, he had to actually look for his armor and stuff. And I was like, oh, straight up, okay. <laughs> and then he blows it up. So that was pretty satisfying.
3: Yeah, I. I think this was a solid episode. For the most part, um, it had some cool action. We got to see, uh, you know, some good uh, ship action that we always love to see. Um, mm-hmm. We and we got to do the t- like the sit down. we were talking about earlier, which I thought was actually really good. I love <laughs> as like just like a. A fear tactic. <laughs> he purposely set the table right over the, the rancor pit, <laughs> so he could just That's call great. upon the rancor to like put some fear into them to try to. That's alpha move. It felt That's very an game alpha of move thrones right there. Team. I was, I was there for that.
2: And now, well,
3: I wanted to throw the best this episode to you guys. of the season, right? Am I the only one that like? Because uh, when this episode came out, like one of the things that people were, com- like some people were complaining about, was the name of his ship. Because like, the fire thing, oh, the, the Osprey one.
1: versus like the Slave One or whatever. Like, oh, fire! It spray. is
3: very obvious fire that they've been kind of trying to shift over to not really using the Slave One name as much. Um, but it's like. I keep Mm -hmm. like one of the arguments I kept hearing was like, "Oh, they're giving it a new name." It's like, and I'm thinking to myself, like, it's not a new name. They're just calling it by the ship model that it's always been. Because the whole the whole story about the ships is that it was a set of ships that were, were called the Fire Sprays, and all but one was destroyed, and Django took. The one and then he he re, he nicknamed it the slave one um from the prison he broke out of. But then it's just I like I understand like it's weird that they're deciding to change it now after all these years. But it's just like it's not a new name, it's just what the ship is. It's like if you called the Millennium Falcon the YT what was it, the white the Y T thirteen hundred? Making me look it up. Hold on. <laughs> you no, know, the thir- the thirteen hundred is the um, it's Dash Rendar ship. The twenty four hundred. The twenty four hundred is the Millennium Falcon. You know, it's just Let like me that. check before someone sends us an angry email. I don't. Oh, it'll happen.
0: Twenty four hundred is is Dash Rendar's, by the way.
3: Oh Oh, twenty four hundred. So the thirteen hundred is the yeah. Okay, Falcon. But I don't know. Like, I I guess I kind of wanted to get your guys' opinion on that whole thing. Like, does it matter to you guys at all what they call his ship?
1: Um, I don't care. I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, it, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, calling it a fire spray, I mean, still a cool name, but, you know, I'm not going to go on the internet and be like, yeah, let me call it what I want. Like, it's, I don't care about that. Like, I'll call it, call it what you want. I don't know. It's still I a just, cool ass ship, no matter what. It's a
0: stupid thing to get mad about, honestly. I, I'm like, whatever. I mean, if you really want to get mad at someone, get mad at George. Why do you call it that? I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's a fire spray now. Move on. Like, it's always going to be the slave one to me. Okay, cool. Whatever
3: get it okay it's like if you want to call it that that's fine you know it's because that's that's the thing it's not from what i understand it's not like necessarily stricken from hit like star wars history it's just first for certain things they're they're just referring it to as the fire spray or you know boba boba fett ship yeah you know it's just a choice it's just it's just one of those things where like i don't it's not a big it's really not a big deal it's just one of those it's just one of those things where like some some Star Wars fans feel like they have to grasp on tight to how things always have been you know and it's not that there's anything yeah, wrong with absolutely that. you know go. like <laughs> it's just something it's just something so weird to just kind of complain about you know. It's still, know. like, one of the coolest ships ever f- in the Star Wars history. And it's still going to be the, one of the coolest ships in Star Wars history. Nothing, nothing's going to change that. Mm-mm. You know. I don't know. Besides that, this episode
2: was dope. I thought it was cool. All right, Marcelo. It's your time. I mean, Chapter 5, Return of the Mandalorian. Bryce Dallas
1: Howard, John Favreau. What a great opening to an episode! It is just so. Yeah, uh, it was a great opening. Great way to start this episode. Just him kicking ass, and then of course you get to use him. You get to see him use the uh, the dark saber. You know. And then he ends up like kind of hurting himself <laughs> in the process. I thought that <laughs> was a good thing. He's process. not
0: trained to use it. It's not something he just learned and picked up. He's like, oh shit, this is tough. And fucking hurts himself. And you kind of story wise, like that's, I thought that was just a nice, nice touch. Great, great like realism in this like world where everything's like fake and spectacle. It just, It's just awesome. I don't know. I just, I liked, I appreciated that
2: touch.
1: No, this was great. And, you know, it's just really funny to see uh, a bounty hunter such as Did <laughs> flying coach to to, uh, to get Force to the halo big, ring, you know? Doesn't have his, that he doesn't was have his razor really crest. funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. And for him to, like, for him to, like, have to put all of his weapons <laughs> oh, and God, stuff into, hilarious. like, a carry-on. Yeah. Was like, I'm going to put this ancient, ancient, uh, sword that rules that like lays claim to all of Mandalore into a fucking check checked bag because Mm -hmm. I can't carry a weapon. I for a second
3: thought someone was going to steal it.
1: Same. Someone was watching him. Same. I did too. I totally did too. And, um, so then we fly to the halo ring, which was dope. That was awesome. I'll see all the budget from <laughs> the the millennial bots <laughs> went to this episode. Um, but, you know, to I thought that whole scene with uh, Paz, um, it was really interesting. It was also really cool to see under other Mandalorians, you know, like the big dude. Yeah. What's left of them. Really cool to see uh, mm-hmm. them all kind of interacting with each other. Uh, that little duel, of course, was great. Um, and pretty crazy, though, that he gets like excommunicated from from being a Mandalore. You know, like because he took his helmet off, and that you know, wasn't the way. Any folks. any like s-
3: sane person would just be like, "Why didn't you just lie?" But I think that's like one of like the 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 endearing traits to Din is that he is always truthful with him with. How, like what he tells people, it's
1: like he he never. Well, he he he's such a believer of 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 the creed of being a Mandalorian that even though he he knew that he would be uh, rejected for taking his helmet off or doing whatever. Like, he's still such a strong believer in it that, of course, he's going to, you know, he's going right. to pay his penance or whatever, you know? Um
3: Before we go further, I wanted to kind of double back because um we have to mention the scene leading up to that where how the episode began is Din was on like a bounty. Um One, I never thought I would see uh, someone get cut in half in this in the show. The way the way that he cut that that oh. dude in half. <laughs> um, But yeah, this is why I think Bryce Dallas Howard should always be hired to do a Star Wars thing. Because we have a scene right after where Din is going to deliver the bounty. And it's literally from the moment he steps into the elevator to the moment he returns the elevator is one complete shot. There's one continuous shot of of Din going to this kind of like bar, kind of like establishment. And he walks into the back room, delivers the bounty, you know, is talking to the, the people, gets his stuff and walks out, goes back to the elevator, goes down, back onto the street. And it was just filmed so well. And I can only imagine how chaotic that scene must have been to film. But, like, she she has this directing oh. ability that is fantastic. Yes.
1: That whole scene was one shot.
3: Because if you notice, when he walks out of the elevator the first time going into the bar, the camera is to his right and it's following him and then once they g- gets into that room the camera circles around the table and they do the whole complete scene once the camera gets to the other side of the table is when he leaves and it just keeps following him out back into the elevator i would i would highly suggest every, anybody mm. that is curious just to go watch that scene again and it's like that like when you think about it like in the simplest of terms, it feels like it shouldn't be that hard, but you have to imagine there's so much work that goes into doing a scene like that where you have to make sure that the timing is right for every single thing to happen. And there were so many pieces because you had like you had uh Din, you had the guy in the elevator, you had the other bar patrons, you had the table where um the con the contract giver was at, plus the other people and the conversation they were having and then just kind of like him uh, leading the camera back out into the elevator, back down to the street and then leaving that area in all in one shot is a feat. Are you actually pulling it up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I just Joel, want to see how it really about, quick uh, while you guys uh, Talk chatting. a little bit about this first half of the episode.
1: Um, I just
0: thought it was interesting you guys hit all the points like Din's loyal to this cause that everyone you know Boba's like you know he's clearly taken off his helmet um, Bo-Katan clearly taken off her helmet and she's even said they're zealots like what are you doing bro and he's just like yo I'm gonna make amends even if it means I have to crawl through the, the underwater rivers of Mandalore and whatever waits for me you know Like, they're going to have him do some strange, probably chaotic, hellish stuff to prove that he's still a Mandalorian in their eyes. I mean, he's got the best scar to do it, but he's just, you know, he's a good guy. He he couldn't lie, and he's like, you know, they saved my life. I'll do anything for them, right? It's crazy, and I'm wondering, you know, it's very warped, and I'm glad that they've pointed it out, and I want to see that even more. I feel like with that lens already, it's like, wow, they're really... Set in their way, and I hope with season three of Mandalorian we get more of that. Like, like, uh, they this is they're weird, you know. These guys aren't on the up and up. If you even if you think so, um, but with that, uh, it was you know good intro with the, him getting his bounty, good fight, um, more fleshing out of the the cult. I'm gonna say, and then you know he even gives up the Beskar spear. I was like, no, don't fucking do it. But he melts it down to make, you know, his little mithril chainmail for Grogu. And uh which I thought was cool. But I was I really wanted him to have that spear still. But I mean, I guess it's too much like Obra and Martel. He he couldn't keep it. He has a darksaber now. What does he need a spear for? It.
3: I mean, the the blacksmith, the the for the the forge uh master, like made like a good point. It's like uh, having a weapon made out of Beskar is so dangerous to Mandalorians because it's pretty much the, their only weakness mm-hmm. is, like, another Beskar weapon. Yep. So, like, it made sense that he had to get rid of it, but he he Funny. made it into something cooler. He did. He definitely did.
0: Um, And, you know, like uh, Marcelo said, he takes Coach to, uh, <laughs> to off to the next planet. He's like, where do I go? And so, of course, he's going to end up on Tatooine. And, you know, there he meets um, uh, Pelly, again, who's helped him before. Yeah. And she's like, yo, I got a ship for you. I was like, oh, cool. You know, we were all like, what's this cool ship? And of course, it's a fucking we already said it before, a, a Naboo Starfighter. We're like, I was like, what? <laughs> like, what yeah, a, buddy. a fucking callback throwback, right? And um it's funny because someone was talking to me one of our friends um they do a close zoom in right and there are symbols on the side of the cockpit and someone's like yo you should check if that's anakin's but someone sent me a tiktok someone did the homework it wasn't anakin's someone fucking check if the symbols match so Um, but yeah she's like yo take this ship it's pretty cool it could do a lot and you can't be tracked with it that's his thing right wants to go without you know having to answer with anyone have have not ugh, without being tracked they have this cool montage they put it together same color as his best car, and then he goes on a fucking joyride through the canyon you know flies up space spins does some cool tricks with spinning um and you see later that like there's an empty spot for grogu later right um but yeah he takes up the space swings pull him over like hey what are you doing and he's just like nah fuck this and you know blasts off <laughs> and he's like just let him go
2: okay
0: <laughs> do you like, don't i know you and it's just like this is this was fucking fan service and it was i loved it i don't people were like oh you're always pandering i was like well it's fucking great keep doing it there was even a little uh even a little nod to uh fall in order right um
3: Oh, yeah, the little the BD droid. droid.
0: We don't know if it's cows, but it was like, oh, hey, no, I know no. that droid from somewhere.
3: <laughs> I think it was confirmed that it was just a BD droid. Uh, Marcello, uh, you watched that scene? Right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. It was really nice. Um,
3: but yeah, like when we started getting to the Tatooine portion of this, epi- uh, this episode, it was just fan service out of the wazoo. Like, mm-hmm. What you mentioned was just like the building of the the starfighter. Uh, what Marcelo was saying earlier about kind of like the reference to episode one, going through beggars Canyon, like the pod racing track when he was testing it out. Um, fun little Easter egg. Uh, when he gets pulled over by the X-Wing pilots, uh, you see the other guy that the, the not Dave Filoni uh, fighter pilot, but then you see another like younger guy. Um, that person is the body double for uh the Luke from the season finale of Mandalorian season two. So that oh. actor was the guy who was the bot like the body like double for Luke.
0: Oh, that's cool. I recognized yeah. the guy from Kin's Convenience um as you know, he him and Dave Filoni would fly together. But then,
2: the other guy I was wondering who
0: is that? Name or Simu? Well, not Simu. Oh, so Simu uh,
1: from Kim's Convenience?
0: All Sung Hyung Lee, Mr. Mr. Sang Kim.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he owns the, yeah. he owns the place in Kim's Convenience.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right? I just love that he keeps it's running normal. into him.
3: <laughs> I think it's like, well, we're not getting Rangers in the Republic anytime soon, so we need to throw him in every once in a while. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Episode five. Well, really, the last three episodes of this season were probably the strongest, um, and I'm sure. I think I think more people were hyped for episode six um, because of everything that happens with it. Um, how did you get? Well, really, I guess just really quick. Yeah, actually, the episode six, like how are you guys feeling? All
0: about Mando. It ends like uh, Boba Fett saying to Fanic, "I need friends." There's a wall coming, and of course, they're like. You know, they end with the Mandalorian theme, you know, hyping us up that they're going to meet soon. But yeah, let's jump to it. Let's this fucking big ass seismic
3: charge of an episode of that's episode six. I, I couldn't breathe after this episode. There's so <laughs> much, There's so much hot uh,
1: dude, action. Dude, so much meat. Thick. Get Cobb, R2-D2, Ahsoka, Luke, Grogu. <laughs> Cad There's Bane. So much to
3: this episode. Ugh. Ugh.
1: There's so much. It's amazing how I think it's really crazy how popular Cobb Vanth is as so, a character. Like people love man, him. Like
3: you, you get an actor such as um Timothy um Oliphant and you stick him into yep. a Star Wars world where it's already Super fucking, like, spaghetti western. And he fits right in. Like, you just basically plucked his character out of Deadwood. (laughs) And then fucking just drop him in. And there you go. Welcome Cobb Van. Mm -hmm. But. I feel like we've been kind of pushing this off too much. Because I feel like we need to talk about. Not. Not the Luke that we saw in season two of Mandalorian. We need to talk about this
1: Luke, this fucking Luke right here. Holy shit! Yep, more millen, mm-hmm. more millennial bot money right here. They, I, it, it's crazy that when you when you look at like who helped Disney with this, uh, this Luke and how this person did such an amazing job compared to what we saw at the end of Mandalorian season two um this one just seems so natural so you know like it it, it's crazy that it's like a deep fake versus like a de-aging thing because at least going through it on my tv like I could like I kind of was immersed with it and I couldn't even tell like, it was that good. Like, I was just like, oh, shit. Like, I mean, I could see a little CGI, but I was like, damn, this is I like, to, this is legit. Um,
3: find the name of the guy who they hired to do this. Because I feel like it's only right that we kind of give some credit to this guy. Uh, so, the the deepfake artist that uh, Lucasum hired was um, Gandamak. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. But basically, after season two of The Mandalorian, he did a video basically kind of touching up. Like kind of showing like, oh, this is what I would have done with the Luke face. And then Lucasfilm saw that video and be like, hey, do you want a job? And they basically hired him and made him the lead of a new division of Lucasfilm that that solely is focused on like this deep fake technology. And so, and Uh. because of that, we got this Luke. And like you said, like to some people, like if you see like little, like there's like little instances where you can kind of tell like, okay, this isn't like, you know, completely one-to-one. Like there's a little, you can see a little bit of like the digital face a little bit, but like for the most part, like it looked like you're watching Return of the Jedi Luke, like Mark Hamill was like right there. You
1: know no, it was so good, so good, I was like totally into it, and you know, I really do like Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. I think she's playing it really, really well. uh she's really it seems just, just like so natural. um, uh, me personally, I mean, you know, I know that this had a lot to do about Grogu, but like for me, it's like,, eh, you know whatever, I don't really like the cutie. You know, I was having this conversation the other day. I'm not a big fan of, like, the cutie, you know, like, the Porgs and the Ewoks and stuff like that. That kind of stuff usually is never interesting. But it was awesome to see his perspective of Order 66 because Mm -hmm. that was gorgeous.
0: I uh, honestly wasn't expecting that. I thought we would get more of a reveal of Grogu, but not all the way back, like, that far. Like, maybe, like... I don't know, something with Yoda post-episode 3, but not, like, right in the thick of it. That was a nice... And it was, yeah, like you said, it was beautiful. Visually, that was, like, whoa. And very... Just, like, drew us in. Like, it
3: was so engrossing. That's the only way I could put it. Also, just, like... The fact that, in a way, this was also kind of a reference to the sequel trilogy. And that we were getting to see kind of, like, the first literal, like, bricks laying down of Luke's, like, Jedi Academy, you know, because, like, we we start off the scene with Mando coming in, you know, he meets uh R2, R2 kind of leads him into, like, this, like, little foresty area, and you see a bunch of these, like, ant droids, like, picking up stones and, like, going up to a hill, mm-hmm. like, laying them down at kind of looks like a hut from um the last Jedi almost. And so I was like, Oh shit, you know, they're building the temple. They're building like Luke's Jedi temple. And it's
1: like, Oh, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. Well, we know what happens um, to that temple, don't we?
3: Joel, what would you, what'd you a
1: think about short um, years.
3: all of the, all of this star Wars goodness?
0: It was great. Like I, I mean, we said last episode was pandering. I think this episode was ultimate awesome fan service. Uh, Like you guys said, Ahsoka, Luke, Cad Bane, R two (laughs) D two, and Jaren returning. You know, we see a Mandalorian interacting with you know this quasi Jedi, and it you know him flying in on his new hotness ship. It's it's great. And then, you know, they have you know, they start the episode with Cobb Vant saying, you know, this is our town, don't pass through it, you know, being all cool Western hero. And then, you know, you know, they're building the temple, they're setting, you know, like you said, laying the bricks of the future. And then the fucking end of the episode, right? Ben tries to recruit Cobb. Oh. He's like, I don't know, right? Free town might come in on it. And then you don't know, and of course, like, all right, I'll, I'll come back later, whatever. And then in the fucking distance, the shadowy figure emerges. I was like, who is that? And then we get a little closer. Oh, shit. It's him. And, you know, we haven't heard about, you know, last time we saw Cad Bane was a Bad Batch, right? He's here in the flesh, live action. And he's uh.
3: like,
0: you cannot control, you know, the, the spice, we, you know, we're in charge of it. Um, you know, stand down if you know it's good for you. And, you know, Cobb's like, you know, hey, stranger, I don't know who you are. And, you know, he has this gung-ho deputy who's going to get blasted a bazillion times. And it's just like, wow. They brought in Cad Bane. Who else? You know, the director of the episode was Dave Filoni, bringing all his, his great Star Wars goodness. And, of course, Cad Bane, of course, like he did in, you know, Clone Wars and Bad Batch. I mean, you know, more so in Cloris. He makes his impression and he leaves his mark. We, you know, he shoots Cobb in the shoulder. He kicks the shit out of the the deputy guy who probably has a bazillion bullet holes in him. And he's like, you know, I'm out of here. You know, he walks very slowly out of there. And they made him look fucking clean too. I just was I was really impressed with the, the costume and everything. And Yeah, I just just when I thought we were done with everything that's been happening, we get, you know, the super western villain that I think we've been, you know, leading up to the showdown people have been waiting for Boba Fett and Ed Bane. What did you guys think when he first came on? I know Brian, you kind of gave me some, but if you can explain it for everyone, you too, Marcelo. Well,
2: Marcelo, you go first.
1: Well, you know, me I I'm not really familiar with Cad Bane and it's funny because you say that you like the way that he was like animated. It, did you guys see all the like there's a lot of like well, there's a lot of like hate about his design, I guess. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm, I wasn't familiar with a character anyways. Um but some people didn't actually some people didn't like I the way that just, they designed him.
3: When it com- when it comes to having a character that is so- was solely animated for so long, I can see how some people don't like how that adjusts into live action cuz i for yeah, for the animated character his face is a little bit longer like the species their face in in anime, their faces are a little bit longer but to have the prosthetics and makeup to kind of match up the the face of the actor you know some liberties are going to have to be made but i feel like for what they did it looked like Cad Bane. It looked terrifying. You know, it looked.
1: Was it the, uh, was yes, it the same they voice they got actor?
3: Corey Burton uh, back to voice Cad Bane because. And I was I was really glad they did because Corey Burton has such a unique way of delivering Cad Bane. I think if you were just get anybody mm-hmm. else to do it, it would be. um Doing an injustice, you know, just because he has such like a very unique kind of like old west, like almost like a Clint Eastwood kind of like old like kind of like talks real like quiet and gravel. But he has like such a he's he just has like a menace to him,
1: super growly,
3: right? Like he was kind of he was kind of like menacing before in the animated series, but like now we get like the older, you know, more like Grizzled like cad bane and he's just like straight up terrifying mm-hmm. like you look at him like you even saw in the scene Cobb van just like looked at him and it's like fuck <laughs> you know he like he just had that look in his eyes where he's just like shit's gonna happen you know but i i enjoyed it i i remember the scene like seeing the figure it's like oh you know at first I thought it was the, the Tuscan um battle master, the war the the Tuscan warrior, because like I was like seeing like dark colors, like, oh that's kind of cool. And then like Joel, you said, um, that second pan back, and you start seeing more of the details, and you start seeing that brimmed hat, and I was just like, Ooh, here we go. <laughs> people <laughs> people are gonna get shot. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I really liked I really liked how they did him. And it was very satisfying.
1: And what a way to end. It had a it had a really strong ending cuz like Cobbanth got fucked up. Like he was like ain't no worry. It's like you're going <laughs> to let the spice run through here now, boys. The Pike Syndicate
2: owns Tatooine and the spice will run through.
1: Yeah. And then we hit the final episode. Uh, is this? Is it? Do you know if there's going to be more they, than one season they did of not this specify show, or is it just a one?
3: If there will be another one, so it's a possible, or if anything, it will just kind of mix in with a Mandalorian, maybe. Really quick, though,
0: at the end of this episode, our you know everyone's beloved Jedi Master says, "Yo, Grogu, you got to choose between Mandalorians and the Jedi." He literally puts two things in front of him and says, you have to choose. It was nice to see, it's like, this was, you know, my master's lightsaber, Yoda's. So that was cool. Um, But he's like, hey, you got to choose. And I, you know, that's, that felt very, um, what I I like about, like, Clone Wars and everything, like, new media coming out, it shows, like, the Jedi are very flawed. Like, it's very, you know, Obi-Wan says, oh. only a Sith deals in absolutes, Right. It's like you can only choose one or the other. I was like, "Oh, what is this?"
3: <laughs> so, so this particular scene was like some of the biggest contention in the in the the fan community for this episode. Um, one because people are kind of confused in how he had Yoda's lightsaber. Um, only because in the most recent run of the Vader comic, it is shown that they destroyed. Yoda's lightsaber along with the other ones after the purge. Um, but according to Dave Filoni, that this is, like, in fact, canon that Luke had the light, uh, Yoda's lightsaber. So,
1: Listen, if yeah. Dave Filoni says he wants it, he gets it, okay? We but don't like, question it. Whether, whether or not Dave it's Filoni. Like,
3: it just got retconned or Yoda made a new lightsaber when he got the Dagobah or something like that, uh, who knows? But the biggest form of contention was what you're talking about, Joel, where Luke making Grogu decide. And I don't, uh, I want to know what you guys think about it. Um, but as far as like how I thought about it, it's like, it's a mixture of kind of like, I could see how people are looking. It's like, why is Luke doing this? It doesn't make sense. Um, my perspective one luke doesn't know what he's doing luke doesn't really know what it means to be you know a jedi master like even though he is de facto like jedi master at this point he doesn't know what he's doing and like if we look forward in time to you know, the sequel trilogy like we we know why it's like he didn't know what he was doing And he was caught up in the hype of being the Jedi of the galaxy, and so it's kind of like at this point where it's like he's just kind of going from old teachings, you know, whatever Yoda taught him, and then whatever he could find in the old Jedi texts, you know, that's all he had. Texts,
0: Brian, the sacred, sacred
3: Jedi texts. Uh. (laughs) Um. But I also had after like watching the episode, I also had a thought, and it's like. Earlier in this episode, Luke was having like he was talking to Ahsoka about it. Like he was sent, he was seeing that Grogu was kind of, you know, hesitant about you know training as Jedi because like he wants to he wants to be with Mando, he wants to be with Din. And what I looked at it as it was a way for Luke to be like, hey, in the past, like most children didn't get to choose to be Jedi or not. They were taken as babies, or very young infants, and it's like, okay, we're going to train you to be a Jedi. We're going to learn everything, what it is to be a Jedi, and you're going to you know live this life forever. You know? Whereas Luke is looking at Grogu, and it's like, it's obvious that Grogu is conflicted. And it's like, okay. Yeah. So it's like, okay. He doesn't want to be there. Do you want, you know, to stay here, or learn to be a Jedi, one day have this lightsaber, like Yoda's lightsaber? Or do you want to go back to the Mandalorian? And then when we get into episode seven, we get to see the, you know, what the decision was. But that's how I thought about it. It's like, okay. It's obvious that you don't want to be here. I'm not going to push this on you. I'm going to let you choose what you want to
1: do. At least he gave him the choice, right? Like, not forcing him to do anything. And then, you know, that leads perfectly into episode seven, where uh, obviously Groku made their choice. And then fucking Luke Skywalker yeeted him off the planet and just sent R2 to drop him off. Fucking... He called him a fucking Uber and took him to fucking Tatooine. Uh, Joel, what was
3: what was your uh, perspective about this about the scene? I thought it was interesting to see uh,
0: Luke training Grogu and um, just what his insights were. Um, but yeah, like I, I had a lot of afterthoughts. Like, like this is the guy who says no attachments, but I love my dad and I love my sister. I love my droid. It's just, it's just kind of you know the the hypocrisy of the Jedi. Uh, but, you know, it makes for an interesting, an interesting choice and in show. Um, it, it was a cool moment, though. You know, we're all, you know, I mean, I was rooting for, like, he has to choose, you know, Din and the Mandalorians, right? Hmm. And um, it's, it's just, you know, cool to see, again, like you said, the building blocks of the sequel. Of course, yeah. we know, <laughs> we choked about it before, like, well, I guess I'm going to have to look to my star pupil Ben, then. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. But uh, it was cool to see like beginnings of this Jedi Academy he's going to start. I mean, we know what happens, right? But uh, it, it was it was pretty cool. Like I like the connection. We've seen a lot of connections to the original and the prequels, and now we're seeing to the sequels. And I just I love that it just the universe is being brought together, and it's it's awesome. Yeah. Um, didn't know oh, yeah. it was gonna be like that. I didn't even know about the, the retcon thing. That's that's interesting. But I mean, hey man, I
3: d- can't disagree with Dave Filoni either, right? So. When when the, when this man is literally carrying Star Wars on his back along with Jon Favreau, you know, I'm not gonna argue with him.
2: Mm. No. Hmm.
3: Nope. He gets what he wants. Episode seven. Hmm. Yeah. All right, Joel, Wrap why don't you take us in?
0: All right, so, um, I'll just say chapter seven, in the name of honor. It was a very fine ending. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> we we talked already, you know, Luke Yeats, Grogu, <laughs> the Tatooine. Um, I actually thought Luke was coming by, I don't know why, but I was like, oh, whose X Wing is that? And then, you know opens up. It's like, oh, shit, that's Grogu. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> so that was a nice little surprise. Um, and, you know, they're trying to bunker down to get ready to have this big fight uh, because, you know, in a previous episode, the Pikes blew up the um, one of the areas where, you know, uh, the bar or whatever, where they were meeting. It's like, we're going to hold down here and get yeah. ready to fight. Um, and with that, you know, Fett assembles his team and he's like I need, you know, I need the Mandalorian, I need Cristensen, I need my mods and all that and you know, I'm hoping uh Freetown shows up, but they don't know that, you know, Cad Bane paid him a visit. And even before um the fighting starts, Cad Bane pays a visit to rile up uh Boba Fett. Like, "Hey, you know, it wasn't the uh the Nikto Bikers. It was actually um the Pikes who did it." And he, you know, he really tries to go to him. And get him to fight now to get him to fight on his terms. So, you know, the te- they start to do the like Western tension. They start to build it up before the you know, the big fight. And uh <laughs> there's a little interaction where they send um the old uh mayor's major domo to like agree to terms and it just basically says nothing, you know. I was hoping it was gonna be something like that. He's <laughs> like, Yeah, I'm not agreeing to shit, you know, whatever. Fuck yourself, I'm gonna blow you up. Um but yeah, and oh, then it, it was beautiful. it's like everything unravels. You know, the crime lords start to betray Boba Fett, and you know, hell breaks loose. There's a bunch of fighting and, it, you know, things are looking good. Freetown shows up. Uh, mods are there all working together. You know, Trandoshans try to jump uh, what Boba Fett, he calls him Santo and he, he still kicks the shit out of him. Right. It doesn't matter. It's 10, 20 Trandoshans. He's like bashing them and shit. And, um, you know, it's a nice fight throughout the city, explosions are happening, but I think one of the biggest kickers, which I didn't expect, was, um, you know, the Pikes call in these like big-ass droidicas, right? Big shielded droids, and, you know, nobody knows what, knows what the fuck to do, which I like. They're like, what? What is this? And they're like shooting it, they don't know, and then, you know, even Din shows up with this Darksaber, tries to cut through it, and, you know, it takes a lot of efforts for them to kind of figure out what to do. And then Boba Fett's like, yo, I'll be right back. He kind of leaves. And um, I thought actually he was going to go get uh, the, uh, you know, if he could find Tusken Raiders to come get him. But instead, he shows up later uh, with his Rancor. And, you know, it's like destroying the shield. And eventually, you know, Din can go into his Darksaber and cut shit up. And it's just a lot of good build up, What's going on? And, you know, there's uh, a lot of good fighting. Every, you know, all the groups have their moment to shine, which is nice. Very Star Wars. You know, even the mods. The infamous spin. Spinning is a neat trick. The mod guy does his Robert Rodriguez spin. And then from there, I was like, oh, this episode's like Once Upon a Time in Tatooine. That's what I, as far as I'm concerned. Some goofy-ass shit happening. You should have just and, called it that. Yeah, and, you know, I I was there for it. It's it's fun. You know, there's even another moment before. There's a sniper who's shooting the shit out of the the Mandalorians. And they just both, like, unload on him unnecessarily. And he just like... <laughs> it was he so just, good. And he's just, It's like, why? There was no need... That's very Robert Rodriguez ridiculousness. And I was there for it. And as far as spectacle goes, this episode hits it. You know, it's over the top. Explosive, you know, action-packed, working together, you know, it. It's like a again, once upon a time, tattooing. That I mean, that pretty much sums it up. You know, a lot of discourse on the spinning mod guy. I think it's fucking hilarious. Uh, you know, Marcelo, you sent me that TikTok of like the end game reaction <laughs> when he does the spin. That shit cracked me <laughs> up. <laughs> but oh yeah, uh, you know what. You guys offer your thoughts. I mean, Brian and I saw it together, but he'll probably share some of the same thoughts. But yeah, when we start with Brian and we'll go to Marcelo.
3: Well, all I have to say is, I feel like the action was like top notch in this episode. Um, there's just a lot of cool, fun things to see. This is very, very Star Wars. I did want to kind of bring it back to before they started. The fight when Boba and min and Din were kind of talking inside the the ruins of the, the sanctuary. It was actually kind of an interesting conversation because you know Boba Fett was like, "Oh, well, you you know you have your chance to go if you want. You know this is kind of a a suicide mission at this point." And then Din's like, "No, you know you know I made a promise and I'm going to stay here. I'm going to die with you if that's the case." And then Boba Boba's like. Like, do you really believe all of that, you know, you know, cult shit? (laughs) And, and Mandel's like, it's like, yeah, I do. And then, and then Boba, and, and kind of like a surprising kind of turn, like Boba's like, good, you know, I'm glad that you do. Cause it's like, it kind of just shows Boba's transformation from what he used to be to what he is now, where it's like now like he's glad that you know din has something that he believes in that like pushes him forward where before boba didn't have something like that but now you know with the tusken raiders and now with you know being the one that has to protect most most espa like he has something that is pushing him forward to do this so it's just kind of, it was like a cool neat like character moment between the two of them that i think when I'm hearing other people talk about it, that one kind of gets overlooked a lot. And I, I wanted to point that out, you know, just to kind of, like, show, like, oh, there's a cool character moment going on here that is, like, pushing him forward. Um, but besides that, yeah, we had some cool-ass, you know, Mandalorian fights, you know, them coming in the jetpacks, you know, shooting people up. Um, we get a gifable moment. Of fucking Boba Fett's action pose, with him pointing the blaster in one direction and lifting his knee up, <laughs> shooting the little knee rockets out in like a jo- a very JoJo esque pose for Boba Fett. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was great, um, but yeah, who who thought that we would get an old fashioned like Western standoff? We get this kind of like in the trenches kind of like war-esque like scenery and then a fucking kaiju battle in one episode, let alone a star Wars episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. With that King Kong reference at the end. I thought that was kind of interesting. It's like, Oh, okay. I see what you're doing. But like it, ever since the rancor came into this series, This is like what we were waiting for. We were waiting for Bulba to get on the back of that Rancor and go to town. And my God, did they ever go into town? Um, One scene I want to bring up is just how like in synergy they were. Um, If the if the series was a little bit longer, I would have liked to see Bulba kind of like training with the Rancor just a little bit, but. I thought it was.
1: I mean, who just wanted more really? Danny Trejo.
3: It's like who doesn't want more Danny Trejo? Um, but I just remember the scene where it's like the Rancor picks up one of the pikes, lifts it up to like Bulba's height. Bulba just shoots it square in the chest, and then the Rancor just tosses it across Mos Espa <laughs> at <laughs> lightning speeds. I was <laughs> like, yeah, this is what a Rancor does. But yeah, there's so many things to talk about, and I think. We'll touch on them as we go, but uh, Marcelo, I wanna I wanna hear what you have
2: to think about. Yeah, no, I
1: I, I agree with you a, a lot that it was just a great like spaghetti western like showdown at the end. Like it had that feeling. Um, you know, for me, I think again this is just me being me, but you know, I, I don't need Pelly and Grogu in this to, to make it enjoyable because I don't think that that character is funny. So for me, that forced carriage, right thing, I was just like, "Eh, I could do without this. It was a little too campy for me. Uh, But in general, I mean, the whole fight scene was pretty fun. Uh, You know, it's funny to see like the little quirks or whatever with like uh, the Wookiee's like foot in his costume that it potentially could have been like his boot print or something like that. You know, did you see that? Where I guess there's, like, this one frame, one second that people, like, lost their shit over, I guess, where the Wookiee's running and you see the bottom of its foot and it looks like his, like, boot print, like, from his costume, you know? So people are like, oh my god, like, this is crazy, like, can't even, like, make it, like, look like a foot, you know?
3: I didn't I was just like, oh, you know, his foot, he's limping.
1: Well, a, that's what it, that's what was funny, is that it was just, like, one frame, and, of course, that's what people noticed. Um, I think that really? the way that Cad Bane dies was kind of weak. Yeah. And like, I kind of agree with Joel. When he, like, flew off, I was like, oh, shit, like, um, he's, he's going to go get, like, his homies it was
2: in the desert. I
3: remember earlier in this episode, they had the mayor talk about, like, oh, I have connections with um some
1: confederate
2: it was like federation. Weapon- what, what weaponry was it? from naboo who were so they like some,
3: some trade federation like shit oh. and it like turns out it's like oh it's these giant droids and it's like you see the bup the 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 shield domes like pop up it's like oh shit they're just gi- like giant destroyers and it makes it even more terrifying so i thought that was i thought that was a really good touch
1: Could I- <laughs> you just needed the gun and see what. Roll. We gotta
0: slowly roll the ball
2: on the shield. didn't even no one catch that, do that line. It, that must have whooshed by me. Those those shield
1: those shields did seem pretty OP. though
0: I mean, Qui Gon and Obi Wan just ran away. <laughs> they barely fought them. <laughs> That's I mean, like a big ass version of that.
3: I mean. Blasters and the explosives, nah, yeah, that's not gonna work. What will work though? Rancor and a Mandalorian. Pop that bubble.
0: I just want to say, really quick, I love
3: Dinjarin. Still default
0: must it before the dark saber must light it on fire. Still <laughs> defaults to the flamethrower for the solution. Loved it. Okay, thank you. That's all. Go ahead, Brian.
3: No, K-Bane had the same idea with the Rancor, and, and that worked. <laughs> That's true, dude. I I didn't. I forgot how like sturdy Rancors can be. Like that guy was taking the beating, and he was still kicking.
1: He's a beefy no. dude, and then he went to go taking. Can ass. I just
3: say, like, I thought it was kind of cool. Like the little Grogu moments were like. It's showing that he. He did have some training, like he learned something from Luke at least. <laughs> Mar- uh, Marcelo's <laughs> making a, a stank face. <laughs> but it is kind of it is kind of neat because it's like you're you're seeing uh, progress with Grogu at least a little bit.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, he learned neat. something,
3: and then of course he gets tuckered out, and so he goes take a nap next to the Rancor after putting it to sleep. Um, but yeah. I think we uh, we need to talk about the the standoff. Um I know you mentioned it a little bit before Marcelo. I thought I thought it actually was pretty pretty cool. But yeah, we just had this like standoff with Boba and um Cad Bane. And it actually went a little bit differently than I thought it would because um I don't know how familiar we are but they're there was this animatic of what Dave Filoni wanted that to look like in the Clone Wars if they didn't get canceled because that was going to be an arc in a season of the Clone Wars where Boba Fett and like a young Boba Fett and Cad Bane have a standoff and so, and then it got canceled. So then we got it in this series um, finally. But yeah, I thought it was kind of neat because it was, It was a representation of, you know, again, how Boba has changed where he was trying to come at this situation as a bounty hunter, as the bounty hunter he was. The only problem is, you know, that's not going to work because even though Cad Bane is older now, he's still one of the best shots out of all the bounty hunters in the galaxy. Like when it comes to shooting a blaster, Cad Bane is like second to none. And so mm-hmm. to have it progress, like progress during the short fight that they had, you know, Boba Fett's just trying to do all the tr- like bounty hunter tricks that he used to do, you know, cause he, like he's so focused on like beating Cad Bane cause they have a history with each other. And It was at that point where he was getting bested by Cad Bane. Then he realizes, like, you know, I am, like, about to die. Everything I'm doing is not working. Oh, wait. Let me pull out my gaffy stick, and I'm going to use what I learned from what he considers family now, like the Tuskins. So then he transfers over into the Boba Fett he is now. And so with that, he was able to you know, sweep uh, Cad Bane, you know, get get into a situation where Cad Bane had the disadvantage and then enough to a point where he's able to deliver the final blow. And there, it just felt like, could it have been done better? Yes, probably, you know. I think any more time in the writer's room probably could have made anything in this show better. But for what the scene was, I felt like it was a decent way to show off like this is this is boba fett now this is the um daimyo you know crime lord boba fett the daimyo Daimyo. on tatooine but yeah i don't know that that's uh that's just how i like looked at this scene with um what about you joel what what were your thoughts about the standoff. I'm, I'm in the same
0: boat as you. I mean, when we saw it together, I was like, oh, this is dope. <laughs> like, of course he can't beat him, like, uh, you know, with weapons your know, guns. He's going to switch to melee. You know, Cad Bane isn't known for that. It's just like, oh, he's going to kick his ass. You know, it finally, he you know, nailed in the coffin. That battle's finally over. And uh, I mean, as much as I enjoy Cad Bane, it was a little comical him kind of like slowly move around the map when he was there. <laughs> like almost Frankensteinish. I was like, "Yeah, this guy's old. He's got to go now." <laughs> and then he did. You know, a, a fitting end,
3: Western style. You know that—that's the way I saw it. He was—he was pretty old at this point. I don't know how old he was in the Clone Wars, but it's been—it's been years since then, and he was already kind of like an adult back then. He had his he had, he had his Grand Torino moment. Um. Uh... I mean, I guess we could uh, get to the end of this episode. Um, You know, we have the fight. They're able to kind of push back all of the the pikes. And earlier in this fight, we see like Fennec was going to go, you know, do something. And we didn't get to see like what she did until. The near end of this episode. Joel, if you would like to take us through, so yeah, she kind of leaves. She's gonna take out the heads of the,
0: uh, uh, gang leaders who basically swore like they would help Boba Fett. Of course, they didn't. And just you know, we kind of wait to see what happens. And like near the end, like like oh, we're gonna you know we're gonna hightail it out of here, you know, And you just see like one by one, she takes them out, strings them up, puts a blaster in them, and. And done, and you kind of see like they're kind of falling apart at the seams right before she does it, too. Like, it's oh, like this isn't gonna end well, and then just takes care of all of them clean, efficiently, succinctly. It was, it's you know, true assassin form. I, I, I was pretty satisfied with that.
2: Pretty badass moment, really, really cool. Uh, and then you know, the
1: the nice little 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 ending with uh, you see Van that he's in the back to tank and he's not dead. Not only that, but so you know we're but gonna he was, more.
3: He was with the mod guy, under cat. Gonna get some mod action. Yeah. Hell yeah, Hob mod Vant.
0: And of course yeah. we get the little tease. We see um and his new sick slick starfighter and of course grogu and the little tube then they blast off and we're like all right we're ready for season
3: 3 of mandalorian yeah this this episode was fun so let me ask you guys this why why were there so many people that were like male on this episode i don't i don't understand why is it really only <laughs> it's because, because of the spin, spin. Like I like to be honest. Like the Star Wars <laughs> fandom, like now is just so out of control that I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the only reason. Fandom menace, baby. But like, I've been seeing like some people being like, "Yeah, this episode wasn't great." You know, it's like there's there's problems with it that you didn't like. It's like, like besides like yeah, the mod the mod guy. It's like, what did you hate about it? I felt like we got so much from this episode.
2: Yeah, there's a
1: little bit of everything. I mean, the episode... Well, like I said, the last three episodes of the season were, were my favorite. So it's like, I don't have a problem. Um, it, it ended how it needed to end. You know, it kind of tied everything up okay. Kind of set some stuff up for, for Mando season three. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't guess problem, I guess
0: people wanted to fine. show up and blow up three more Death Stars or something. I don't know. Who knows what fans want. Uh, I mean, it's so hard. You know... Star Wars belongs to so many people or so they think and they have their idea of it and like I don't know. I my most recent reasoning now is like, you know, it's Star Wars is for kids, you know, at the end of the day it's it's all for marketing and stuff. So like I don't know. I feel I, I had this conversation. I maybe it was with you, Marcel or Sarah. Like also we're like a lot of people who really loved it, like I think maybe they're putting too much on it. It's very simple, a very simple story. And you've probably grown past it, you know. Like I, I don't know. Maybe people are expecting too much of, of a this. You know, again, the story about this guy who's only had four four minutes of screen time. Like I, I don't know. Like you just, also, you just can't please everyone. Everyone,
1: you know. Yeah, I mean, like you. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, that's the thing. No, it's like that's the thing. Is like. Everybody's everybody has an opinion, and you could just—you will never be able to please everybody. But of course, the people who you can't please are always going to be the ones that are like the most vocal. You know, like I mean, (laughs) shut up. I mean,
3: I think, I think one of the benefits of this era of Star Wars is that we are getting so much content now that I feel like there's something for everybody in the fandom. You know, whether it be. You know, the sequel trilogy, um, whether it be Bad Batch, uh, Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, you know, all the new comics we've been getting, you know, the video games that we've been getting or that we're going to get. There's just so much that there's we are in an embarrassment of riches where we're so used to kind of being like, spoon-fed Star Wars every, you know, once in a while uh, back in the day. Yeah, I don't know. Like, the Star Wars fandom is just so weird nowadays. Well, it's, it's kind of been weird all the time, but I don't know. I just kind of wish that people would just, you know, be chill. You know, you don't have to like everything. But you also don't have to, you know, tear people down for what they like and don't like. You know, I don't know. Just just have fun. At the
1: end of the day, it's Yeah, if you don't like it, don't watch
2: it.
3: Like we don't we don't have to like tear each other apart just because we like, you know, one movie better than the other or one show better than the other, you know. Whatever. It's it's Star Wars. It's so much Star Wars. It's my Star Wars.
1: So much Star
2: Wars. You're
3: wrong. I'm right. Mandalorians, all the way. Hashtag not my Star Wars. Everybody knows that the only true masterpiece is the Christmas special. No.
1: The Lego one? That
3: that sounds great. It's actually really good. You should watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. Are you saying that everybody doesn't love Lumpy? Isn't Lumpy in Solo? No. Someone else, okay. Lumpy Lumpy Schumpacher's uh, son, <laughs> <laughs> the son a Bigfoot. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait. Up Up well, next is uh, Obi Wan be coming out on May 25th. Mm-hmm. So, be damn,
2: be damn Ooh, sure we're gonna be strange. uh, talking about Just that when up. that comes out. Hello there. But uh, yeah, I think that wraps up. Uh, <laughs> hey, you're not
3: wrong. But yeah. Book a Boba Fett, you know, take it or leave it. I think it's safe to say out of the three of us, we found things that we really like about it. Um, so, yeah. Maybe, uh, you know. Let us know what you all think about it. You know, have a conversation but in a nice way, hopefully. All right. As we wrap it up, where can we
0: find you, Marcelo, if we want to reach out to you? What's up with you?
1: You can find me me on Instagram uh, at Marcelo Sanchez, R-E, or on Twitter at M90Plays. You can find me on Twitch
0: under Acoustic Avenger. Also on Twitter, replace the I with the number one. And also under Mad Monster Mine on Spotify and SoundCloud. Where can we find you, Brian?
3: Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at brian__saber. And that's a saber with the R-E instead. Um, also, you can find me on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv forward slash briansaber. Um, we do some fun stuff, you know. Got some video games. Um, actually um pretty soon I'll probably be uh jumping in on Devil May Cry. I, I wanted I kinda wanna you know do Bloody Palace a little bit, so that'll be kind of fun. Um other than that, uh also got some Pokemon card stuff coming up and some builds coming, so stay tuned with that. Um and yeah, uh Joel, if yes? people had some hot takes about why their Star Wars fan theories are right. Where could they send those to? You could send your incorrect hot takes to Unitedwenerdcast
0: at gmail.com. Tell us why you love Stormtroopers, why you think they're better than Mandalorians, and I'll send you an email saying you're very wrong. But let us hear your hot takes at nerdcast at gmail.com. Also, we're on Twitter under
3: united underscore we nerd. He's no good to me, did.
2: <laughs>
1: Sandusky got me acting crazy. We <laughs> back at the back to today.
0: Right, is that everything? Do we cover everything? Is that it? Am I, am I forgetting something?